Hello, Mercy Street. I can, I can feel the energy in the room tonight, and I just want to say, I mean, the band was great, but honestly, your singing was like really, really hitting my soul, so thank you for your worship tonight. It's really, truly an honor just to, again, every Saturday, just to be in this space, to come together from all the areas of Houston that we're coming from, and come together in worship and celebrating what God is doing in our life, and it's just awesome. So if you don't know who I am, I am Maggie. I am an alcoholic, um, and I'm also uh, the lead pastor here at Mercy Street, and it has been a pleasure. I've been here since mid-July, and we're just rocking and rolling, um, getting busy, and uh, it was awesome to see some of you guys out uh, amidst this week, and um, I got to see a few when we went to uh, Santa Maria for a visit. I got to go to Santa Maria the Parker, uh, uh, the one on Parker, for my first time, and it was beautiful. I didn't get to see as many of you ladies, but... It was beautiful to get to see um, where, again, where you're kind of starting over, where you're kind of putting down some roots there in your community of women and listening to some suggestions and seeing, again, awakening to this new life um, that you've been given. And so I'm so glad that you're joining us, either watching us online or in here in this room. Um, and then thank you for those who uh, joined us in the hot Texas heat uh, this morning um, at the farm, and we'll talk about that later. But you can see some of our uh, the the harvest uh, that we took uh, from the garden, and it was beautiful. So thanks for uh, those who joined us, friends. We have been in a series called "Putting Down Roots." Yes, essentially, we started talking about this idea because what does it mean for me to come back? What was it like the first time I was here at Mercy Street? to put down roots, to make Mercy Street or to make a community, a church community home, to say, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to isolate that I am going to put down roots. I'm going to allow God's good message to be planted in my heart. I'm going to listen to those who are around me. And so we've been breaking that down week by week. The first week we talked about God as being the sower, just sowing the seeds lavishly, right? We talked about God's grace and love and forgiveness and going to all the places, not just the good places, the people ready to hear this message, but the places, the forgotten places, the people that might feel lost or on the outside, that God wants this whole world to be loved, to bring the whole world into wholeness. And that week two, we talked about abiding. We talked about Jesus being the vine and that for us to enter into this relationship, what does it mean to stay into that close connection? We talked about what it means to be in community with one another, right? To be in that. And also we talked about in week three, I talked about a little bit of my own faith story about how as I have been growing, there have been so many people who were kind of like gardeners in my own life that were helping to grow and nurture me. But all along, I began to see that it was God bringing these people in my life in the times that I needed it, showing me God's love and faithfulness my whole life. And last week, I love Pastor Amanda, and she brought this word talking about being rooted in love and she talked about this image of this gaze with God, of God lovingly gazing back at us. And are we able to look at that, right? And how we should allow our root system to be rooted in this love. And so this week, we're going to talk in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 through 8, about this harvest, about this work that God is calling each of us into. So go ahead and read along. The verses will be up on the screen. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages, 
He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. And when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to the disciples. But how few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. And the prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. And Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them out into the ripe fields. And he gave them power to kick out the evil spirits, to tenderly care for the bruised and hurt lives. This is the list of the 12 that he sent. Simon, they called him Peter, or Rock. Andrew, his brother. James, Zebedee's son. John, his brother. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax man, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, who later turned on him. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And, and don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. No, go to the lost and confuse people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You have been treated generously. So live generously. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You have been gen treated generously. So live generously. Just before the verses in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 8 and 9, there is a string of these stories about Jesus going out and performing these healings. And now we see this transition from the healings to now this conversation of teachings. Teachings that emphasize the need. We need some more people. We need some more people helping us because these healings, this, this work that's out there, there's a lot to be done. And it can't just be me. I need more people who are going to help. But also what I see highlighted in here is Jesus' infinite compassion. Compassion for the people. Compassion for the hurt that is around him in this world. In this verse alone, I can stop and really think about what does that compassion look like? What did Jesus' compassion look like? In the message translation that we read tonight, it said his heart broke. Compassion is not just about sympathy or like, oh, I'm so sorry. So sorry that happened to you. No. Compassion, the true meaning of compassion is to recognize the suffering of others that draws us into action to help. Compassion embodies a tangible expression of love for those who are suffering. You see, this Jesus that was going around and healing others as he came across, whether it was people who were bringing them to them or somebody he met just randomly on the street, he had compassion and was drawn to respond. It was not just a, oh, so sorry, and I got, I got more important things to do. I got to go teach these people over here. No, he was drawn to respond. You have been treated generously. 
So live generously. Lately, I've been reading this book by Richard Rohr called Falling Upward. And in the second chapter, it talks about this hero-heroine story that we see all throughout mythology stories. We see them in modern-day stories. He talked about Odysseus, but I was also thinking of Moana. And he was just talking about this structure to these people's stories that we begin to see their growth, right? He talked about that, one, they live in a world that they presently take as a given place that is sufficient. This is the place that they have come out of. And then they've been called or have courage to leave home for some sort of adventure, some type that's not really a problem, but just go out beyond their present comfort zone. And when they're out on this journey or adventure, they in fact find that there is a real problem. They're almost always wounded wounded in some way. They encounter some sort of dilemma, and the whole story pivots around the resolution of trials that result. There's always this wounding and this great epiphany that the wound becomes the secret key. Dare we say it is sacred that the wound changes the person dramatically. Their world is opened up. The screen becomes bigger, and their very world, or the very word we understand as odyssey, is now used to describe these kinds of adventures, these discoveries. And in these stories, the hero or the heroine will take their first task, or they think is really the only task, is that they would begin to figure out how to solve this problem. But eventually, they fall through their life situation and discover their real life. The hero or the heroine returns now, having captured some sort of solution, the healing through this wound, and find the power in the sacredness of this wounding, and go back to their village or their town, and they have a gift to share with their people. And I don't know about you, but honestly, I could see that in my own life. I could see that because in my own journey, I considered my addiction my wound. And I thought that that situation, I was just there to figure out how to stop drinking, how to stop creating these problems. And so I ended up walking into some 12-step recovery, but really I found out it wasn't the drinking. Friends, I was on this spiritual journey, and that was one tool that was used. But I began to see that this wound this chaotic life that drugs and alcohol and everything that came with that began to be this journey that God was using to begin to awaken into me how he was going to use me, how he created me to be able to operate. Richard goes on to say, true heroism serves the common good. Many people say, I'm not saved just for my own self. I am saved, and now I go out of that abundance to go and to bring healing into this world. It is through putting our spiritual growth first that we get the opportunity to see this real life that God created us for. Some of these words might sound familiar to you. When someone has a spiritual awakening, the most important meaning of this is that they have now become able to do, feel, and believe that which they thought they'd do that which they could not do before on their own strength or merit. They have been granted a gift which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. They have been set on a path which tells them they are really going somewhere, that life is not a dead end, not something to be endured or mastered. It is a real sense that they have been 
transformed because they have laid a hold of a source of strength in one way or another that they denied themselves. The 12th step says that we must pass the lessons on that we have received, or has there ever really been a gift at all? We must pass on what we have received. There's something in this text that I think is really interesting and why I chose to include as we were reading it. Yes, there's this harvest. Yes, Jesus is saying that he needs more people out in the field, more people to bring healing and hope and love. But as he's calling these disciples, do you notice something about them? John Wesley, the father of Methodism, said, Lord of the harvest, God calls forward those who never felt this, never yet knew the kind of labor that Christ's harvest would take. Yet, he sends them forth when he calls them with their spirit, furnishes them with grace and gifts for the work. He makes a way for them. Friends, that list of disciples were not people who had it all together. That list of disciples didn't have all the answers, didn't necessarily go to the right school or have the right tools or were the best speaker or the best healer. No, Jesus called forth the people out of there and said, go and do. In this room, many people call themselves hope dealers. I think there's a tagline that says, we got the, thank you, we got the good stuff. There are many people in this room that feel like after a time, they've been coming around for a while, they've experienced this grace, they've experienced this gospel message, this good news, and allowed it to take root. They've felt this forgiveness and this love, and they begin to find places to share that with others. A core value and commitment that Mercy Streeters make is to receive the good gift of God. We recognize that we must also turn and give it away. That we are given out of an abundance and an abundance flows outward, right? When you join the church, we say we give and receive. Find a place to give and receive. We receive and we give. This is a part of who we are. But I also get... That there are many times where we don't feel like we are worthy or that we have anything to give. That we're smart enough or that we have our life together. And the longer I'm around, I'm constantly reminded that that's something that we all face. No matter what the exterior situation of our life looks like. But I want you to know that each and every one of us in every age and every circumstance that we find ourselves, that God is calling us to do this work alongside us. I saw this really beautifully laid out when we went to the farm today. Shamba Yamani. It means the farm of peace. It's an organization I heard about. It's with Bam Houston. And it was out of a vision of a lot of people that they were trying, this women empowerment group, and they were trying to be able to start a place where they could go, get a plot of land, be able to plant some food for their own family. And they decided it wouldn't just be for these women that were going through the program, but the whole community could come around them. The whole community. So there's other Houstonians, there's other people that are maybe working on their lot, but they're also working out of the longer um, rows in the farm. And do you know what's really beautiful? It's not just for the women there. 
out of what happened is there's an abundance of what they're growing. There's so much crop and harvest that they found partners to be able to take this from. And so there's vegetables and, and all sorts of things and beautiful flowers so the bees will come pollinate all their plants. And they give those plants, those vegetables away to places like the Houston Food Bank to help people in Houston that might have food scarcity. And so, yes, Mercy Street went out there this morning to partner alongside. And I thought this is a beautiful way to actually take a literal image of what we're talking about. When we're talking about being in this garden, this field, this world, right? And I will tell you a few things that I learned along the way. One thing is, I will say the work in the field is hard. I am not a professional gardener. I have shared this already, and it was very hot. Yes, I was the crazy person that decided to ask y'all to come and join me in August when we're having record heat in the, uh, the summer. So luckily, it was in the 80s and 90s in the morning, so we didn't get to the 105 and 110. We'll see you tomorrow. But I began to be really grateful that I was not out there on my own in that field, okay? Right now, it might look so beautiful, but as you start going down those rows, I mean, it's all over the place, and there was lots of different things we discovered along the way. So no, I was not in the garden alone. I had some Mercy Streeters who were there with me. And also, I will let you know that actually none of the professional gardeners, I might say, were there this morning because they were like, it's way too hot for you all to be in the garden. But... The novice went anyway because we heard there was a need and we showed up. So we showed up. And none of those Mercy Streeters were professionals. No, some of them had a little bit more experience than others, but we all just joined in and we kind of started leading each other through the field. And what we got to do, some of the tasks we got to do was to harvest okra. I don't know if we love okra. I love okra, pickled, fried, in a gumbo, any kind of way, love okra. Um, so we actually got to take a little bit home. Uh, I'm excited to, to cook with it. But, so we got to harvest okra, we got to pull some weeds, and we got to mulch some of the different places. But I will tell you, I was not afraid. Kelsey is the master gardener. She also is a vol uh, volunteer coordinator. I was not afraid to ask lots of questions. Yes, she gave us to say, this is what your scope of work is going to be, and here is what I want you to do. Here's the tool. If you go over here, you can grab this. And then she just kind of let us go. And she went off and started doing her thing. And I was like, okay, I just will act like I know what I'm doing. And so we're trying to figure out what size okra is right and which size to leave and which one we just need to prune away because it's taking all the nutrients from the rest of the plant. But again, I didn't have all the answers, but I, was, I had a little bit of energy. You know, I could be out there, and I just started to get into the work. And so me and my Mercy Street friends were out there, and we were harvesting, we were pruning, and we got a lot of dirty. I did not know there would be so many ants. So I will also say one of our uh, Mercy Streeters also got covered in ants. So as I was trying to take the ants off them, the ants were crawling on my feet. But again, I wanted to help the one in the trouble, but I also needed to protect myself. And so I don't know if you can relate to that as we go out in the field and we're trying to help others. We also got to make sure we ourselves are in a safe place. I'm just saying there was a lot of illustrations that was really bringing this to life. Friends, the harvest was plentiful. You can see this is just some of the flowers. I said I have to bring back something to share with my Mercy Street team so they can see exactly what was out there. And we were able to harvest 35 pounds of okra to be able to give for the, either the Congolese women or for wherever their purposes they were going to use it. 
But I will also tell you, we were there for about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours, we made a good dent in the work to be done. But there were so many people that were there before us who helped plant, who helped water, who helped weed, who helped mulch, who helped tend and harvest before us. And guess what? There's going to be so many more people, hopefully, that will show up and tend to that work. Because God, God calls us into this work, and there is something for each and every one of us to do. But it is not only ours to do. Look around you. There's so many people around here, all with different gifts and experiences and talents, but each and every one of you have a purpose to be used in the kingdom of God. So when Jesus tells those disciples, yes, he was calling those 12 men, but it could have been easily, it could have been easily Clay, Jessica, Hugh, Nancy, Tom, Dennis, It could have been any of us that Jesus is calling out saying, do you see the work? The harvest is great. The laborers are few. And if you've been around Mercy Street or the places that Mercy Streeters go, you would know that the harvest is great. There are so many people who are still out on the streets, lost and confused, and know nothing about a God who loves them. A God who loves them and not just loves them and has compassion and says, okay, good luck, figure that out on your own. No, it said Jesus had compassion and we talked about compassion draws us into seeing the suffering and draws us into action. This is what he calls all of us to. And so if you're new, I hope that you're finding that peace that maybe this is a place that you can put down roots. That this is a place that that wound, whatever you're carrying in with you, that you can come in and allow God's healing, God's grace and mercy and forgiveness to come in. But also, along that way, that God has a purpose for you. And so much of what I've learned in my faith journey hasn't just been about listening to someone teach It's been in the doing. It's been accepting that invitation to come serve and serve and walk alongside someone. I don't even know what I'm doing and just do it. So whether that's going to Santa Maria or whether that's going into the prisons or whether that's cooking a meal for a neighbor or whether that's going into Shamba Yamani and learning how to, you know, harvest okra, whatever the field is, there is work to be done. The invitation is yours. Will you take it? I'll wrap up with saying that um, when I first got here, I said it took me about seven months to actually join the church, but I I wanted to find that place to begin. And so Mercy Street Mobile at the time was doing Church Under the Bridge. And Church Under the Bridge was serving uh, food to the homeless. They also, we led worship out there. So there were songs, there was celebration time. It was just connecting with some of our brothers and sisters who were unsheltered. And that was a real place for me to see that, like, oh, okay, I can just show up. Um, You need me to to serve a hot dog or, oh, they needed someone to sing, and so I love to sing. So my husband and I, we started just starting to lead the worship every time. And that was a commitment where I got to know some other people. I got to see that I wasn't in this alone, and I began to see this purpose of what we're created for. We receive God's message, and then we go out into the field to give out that love that we have received. And then my first job here, I was in youth ministry, 
And I remember when I was a volunteer in youth ministry, an opportunity came for me to come on staff. And I tell you, I still didn't know quite what I was doing. And we had a youth, former youth in here, so shh. Um, uh, but Greg Taylor, the pastor here at the time, said, Maggie, do you love God? And I was like, yes. He's like, do you love those youth? And I said, yes. He's like, okay. You'll show up. We'll start learning along the way. And you'll continue to do the work. And I will tell you that yes that yes, that walking through, you can't use me, God. I don't have all the knowledge I need. I don't have all the tools. But there was an opportunity, an invitation, and it was for me to say, yes, I'll show up or no. So my question to you today, what invitation is God calling you out into? The harvest is great. The laborers are few. Mercy Street. We need more hope dealers. We need more people not willing just to show up here, but to go out into the corners of our community to share about this good God, this good community that is for all. Because we are loved, we can go out in love. Let us pray. God of the harvest. Thank you for how your message has come out in the various ways it does. It sprinkles down in your people and the way they show up in our lives and show us your love. Show us that we matter. Show us that we're seen. Lord, God of the harvest, thank you for the safe places that you have provided for allow us to come in with our wounding and to receive your healing in the midst of community places like Mercy Street, places like Santa Maria, places like 12-step recovery, places where safety, human connection, and healing can begin. Lord God, I pray that we would hear your invitation to join you in this good work, that you would give us the courage to say yes. That we don't have to see the, the vast amount that is so, the, the need is great. But Lord, there is something small and easy for each of us to just step into right here and right now. And so Lord, bring that to our hearts. Show us the passion that we have, where we have compassion on those who are hurting. Lord, help us to see how we might make a difference. Meet us in this space as we end our closing time together in worship to you. Amen.